Can we give the Lord a great big hand clap? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're glad to be in the presence of our God right now. We need to praise him. We need to thank him. He was so gracious to allow us yet another day on this beautiful earth. Amen. And by the way, to everybody, happy 4th of July. It's wonderful to be in America. Amen. That's something to be grateful for. Yes, it is. Today, I'm going to read to you from Second Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm not sure what it says exactly. Uh, Elder Fran gave me this and felt that God put it upon her heart for you to hear this, so I'm going to share this with you. Chapter 5 of Second Peter 3 is called A Final Call to Godliness. Sounds good. Paul says, and so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peacefully, peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in God's sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scriptures. And this will result in their destruction. Amen. We must be so careful in how we treat and handle the word of God. Amen. It is so precious. And God wants us to speak it and teach it just the way he put it in his book. Let us bow our heads, brothers and sisters, and come before the throne of the Lord, where he says we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Almighty and righteous God, Lord, we just want to thank you for allowing us to be in your holy manifest presence today, where your word says there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are blessings forevermore. And you will show us the pathways of life. Life is a precious gift, O God. And we are so thankful that you have once again spared us. And that you are just showering this precious gift of yours, life, upon us. We love you, Lord. We give you, we give you all the honor, all the glory. You're worthy of power. Worthy, dear God, of all our praise. And we just want to thank you, dear God, today for being our God. You, the magnificent creator of the universe, who made trillions and trillions of galaxies, have seen fit to desire in your heart to be called Abba Father by us. We are so blessed, almost overwhelmed when we stop and think about what a precious, precious honor it is to be your child. 
Lord, we just want to thank you today for watching over us and keeping us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. That's why we're here today. You gave angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways, even bearing us up in their hands, that we did not dash our foot against the stones of life's adversity. Let us never take it for granted, O oh God, but to give you honor and to be thankful and to forget not all your benefits. Father, we ask that you forgive us of any sins we might have committed. And we thank you that you've not only forgiven us, but you said, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you just confess it to me. Help us, Lord, to live holy lives. Your word says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. No woman shall see the Lord. And Lord, we want to see you more than anything. We want to see our loved ones in heaven. We want to be together with you for eternity. And we thank you for your blessed assurance that one day we will. Lord, bless all of us here today and those at home, all our church members, dear God, who need your help in realms of health, healing, and finances, emotionally, mentally, whatever it may be, dear God, you said you would heal all of our lands if we would just confess our sins and come to you humbly in prayer as we're doing now. So therefore, we consider the prayers to be answered, and we thank you, oh God. Lord, lastly, we just want to say unto you, we thank you. We thank you, dear God, if there's the people anywhere who are thankful for you and all that you're doing in our lives. We are those people here at Christ the Cornerstone Church, both campuses. We love you, God. Once again, from the bottom of our hearts, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' most mighty and magnificent, matchless name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family, I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. Prayer is important in the life of the believer, and we hold it as a high priority here at CTC. We currently have a morning prayer group that meets in the celebration room at the Bear Campus every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Beginning on July 9th, we will be adding a Friday prayer group at 7 a.m. each week in the prayer room located in the mall area at the Bear Campus. In addition, we invite you to fast each week from after dinner on Thursday until dinner time on Friday. Our desire is to see God moving in more profound ways in every aspect of our church. Harps to Halos from our Ellesmere campus will be playing at Brandywine Summit Campground on Saturday, July 24th. We invite you to join us for a great time of fellowship and entertainment. We will be arranging for carpools as the date gets closer. To find out more information, call the Ellesmere Campus office. There are just a few weeks left until our youth group missions trip August 1st to 6th to West Virginia to help with Appalachian service projects. During this trip, our students will be working on renovations on a house for a family living in poverty. There are still several spots left for you if you're interested in going on this trip. If you want to learn more, contact Daniel Carroll at dcarroll at ctcde.church or call the Bear Campus office. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church, or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. 
God bless you and have a great week. Dear United States of America, I'm sorry. I haven't been who I was created to be. Things have been tense. It's been tough. We've had trouble trusting each other, believing in and supporting each other. It seems like we only see our differences. And the truth is, we're all just humans. Brothers and sisters created in God's image. It seems like the problems are caused by them. You know, those people. They think, look, and talk different. They are different. They are the problem. But there is no they. No, there is only us. Us Americans. We are the United States of America. One nation, indivisible and under God. That means it's going to be okay. God's got the whole world in his hands. So when politics don't go my way, it's in his hands. When everything is falling apart and nothing makes sense, it's in his hands. I forgot that God is in control. So I tweeted things that didn't look like Christian love. I posted things that Jesus wouldn't post. I've said things that weren't from a spirit of unity and love. I forgot to love my neighbor as myself. So I am sorry. And I'm going to try harder to spread joy instead of fear, to encourage rather than condemn. And instead of shouting my opinions, I'm going to choose to share Jesus. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. I greet you with the joy that is found in Christ Jesus. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we can be in God's house worshiping him authentically, fully, and wholly. How about you? Amen. So we should give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. We welcome you for those who are in the room and for our brothers and sisters who are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here. If you are new here, After this worship experience is over and you're in the room, as you leave the celebration room to your left, you'll find a welcome center where a member of our pastoral staff or a trained host will meet you and offer you a small welcome gift and obtain some other information about you, which is also held confidentially. If you are new here and you're online, please click the New Here tab fill out the information which is confidential and a member of our pastoral care staff will reach out to you when this worship experience is over. On your table or at your chair, you'll find a connect card. The importance of the connect card, it allows you to give us some information about you, but most importantly, prayer request. You may list your prayer concerns on your connect card and know for 100% sure that your prayer request will be brought before the Lord on your behalf. 
if you are online, there is a connect tab that you can click to fill out the same information. Also, at your seat or on your table, there is an envelope where you may offer, give an offering to God. If you're online, you may click the give button and give a one-time or recurring gift. We have a theology around giving at our church, and Pastor Roger is going to share that with you. Good now. morning, everybody. Is that coming through? Yeah, turn that off. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see all of you here and, and see you online. And uh, I, I was supposed to show the Connect card in these little envelopes. So uh, when, when she mentions the envelopes, I like to see everybody pulling this out and filling these out because like, this is the way we stay connected with each other. And uh, we, we want to practice generosity here, as, as we do, whether you're online or whether you're here in the place. And we've got some principles that we follow that go far beyond uh, using our money. But just living a life that is giving to others as Christ gave his life to us. And I think principle number eight, uh, and I ask you to read this with me, if you would, please. We give generously. That's a principle. Very simple. Very simple to follow. And it's founded in Scripture. So read the Scripture with me, if you would, please. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you, from Proverbs 19.17. Let me invite you to stand with me as we continue to worship God. If you're able to stand, let's stand together. We'll continue singing and lifting up praises to God. And let me offer this prayer as we do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for being with us today. Thank you for Jesus giving your life for us generously. Help us, God, to serve you, to give ourselves uh, our time, our talents, our efforts, whatever it is, God, that is our spiritual worship that we give to you. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue to worship today, we uh, learned a new song last week. It may not have been new for everyone, but it was a song that talks about the fact that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, that we're never alone. Whether it's fire or in the water, drowning in something, God is with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. Sing it. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the water falls in you. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire, and it next to me. There was another in Should I ever need reminding how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears a burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. Thank you, Lord. All my debts. Dead left for dead beneath the wall. 
to joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count to joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Oh, I'll count to joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count to joy come every Come on and worship Him today. Every battle, every place we walk through deep waters, every place we feel overwhelmed, every place we feel like we're in a fire, every place we feel like there is no way out, there is someone else there. And His name is Jesus. And He's there because not only was He born in a manger, not only did he live and die, but he rose again. And our hope comes not just from the fact that he died, but our hope comes from the fact that he's alive. And our hope today is living. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows. Jesus. Yeah. 
forevermore, the one who brings hope into our lives. Where there seems to be no hope, Lord, you are there bringing hope, restoration, saving, healing, setting free. And so, Lord, today, as we have worshipped you, as we have done what the psalmist instructed, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, Lord, open our hearts now as we receive your word. Lord, anoint the words of our pastor as he has prepared and he's coming to bring this message this morning. You be glorified and exalted. And Lord, as your word enters into our hearts and makes its home there, Lord, make us different than when we came in this building. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Ginger is here, and she's going to lead the children uh, out and down to their classroom. Thank you, Ginger, for being with us. Children, if you'll follow Miss Ginger uh, where she goes. Last week, we dove into our topic uh, 
about human sexuality by asking the question, what does it mean when the Bible says God created human beings, male and female, in the image of God? And we answered that question by saying it is part, part of the image of God in a very powerful and very meaningful Part of the image of God in humanity is our ability to relate to one another. Relationships are what this is all about. Just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God created us, male, female, to relate together. And in that relationship with one another, we experience and we express the very love of God that He has for us. We can't be fully human unless we're relating to other people. And God has given us that privilege and that blessing and that ability to relate to one another uh, through our sexuality, coming together, creating new life uh, as as, uh, followers and brothers and sisters uh, in Jesus Christ. It is, in a sense, God in us, even in our sexuality. Today we need to look at uh, what happens when we get that wrong. When we don't follow what God is asking us to do, teaching us to do, there are scriptures that say, do what I tell you to do and you will live a long and a happy life. I know that sounds a little bit like Star Trek and Spock and his little blessing that he would give, live long and prosper, but it comes right out of the Bible. God says, do what, you're, do what I say and your life will go well with you. Now, that's very difficult for us as human beings to do at times, but we need to look at the consequences of what happens in our lives, especially when we misuse this gift of sexuality that God has given to us. So let's talk about sin for just a second. The simplest definition of sin, and I I think it's important for us to understand, I know that this is a simplification of what sin is, but too many times we, we look at sin as just having this list of do's or, or this list of don'ts. And when we do the don'ts, we call that a sin. But sin is so much more than just uh, obeying the law that has been given to us. The simplest definition literally means to miss the mark. And you can imagine somebody having a bow and arrow trying to shoot it across the room or over the field or wherever to their target. And what they want to do is hit the bullseye. And unless they hit the bullseye, they have missed the mark. God has a mark for us as human beings to live. God has a mark for you to live your life, a purpose to fulfill for you in your life. And when we miss that mark, that's sin. Because sin means to hit the target. Did we get it right? We talk about baseball players hitting a home run. And unless, unless they don't get the home run, they might get a lot of things, and the team might win the game, but if you're focusing everything on that home run and you don't get a home run, you have missed the mark. God has a plan and a purpose, and He's given us His instruction. He's given us Himself to strengthen and to empower us so that we can be successful in living that to Him. And when we miss that mark, that sin... The Bible says, we're going to hear this again, Romans 3, 23, for all of us have missed the mark. We all have fallen short of that glorious standard that God has given to us. Every one of us. 
So we need to be extremely careful and very humble when we're talking about sexual sins about other people. Because if we all have missed the mark, we all have probably, and I'm just going to be bold and say, we all have missed the mark when it comes to using our sexuality. It is such an important part of who we are. We can't live a day without living as a sexual person. And we don't need to cast stones to anybody else. We need to get right with God with our own use of our sexuality, our thoughts, as well as our actions. Sin affects us all. And the effect of sin is not just that we've broken God's law, but it has another consequence. And the consequence of sin, all sin, is a broken relationship. We might think of of the consequence of sin as not being able to go to heaven. But in essence, it's not just about eternal punishment or eternal pleasure. It's about living for eternity where we were supposed to, where we were created to live. And that is in the presence and in the fullness and in the joy and the love of our loving Heavenly Father who created us as in His image to live in constant relationship with Him. And sin separates us from that relationship. Got to get back on my notes. <laughs> so sin misses the mark and prevents us from living in loving, peaceful, joy-filled, purposeful relationships with God and with one another. Sin destroys our relationships. We end up being alone. We end up being cut off. And that is, as God says and declares in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, not good. Remember we looked at the creation story last week and we got to the end of it and God said, it is very good. Then God, in in chapter 2, God notices that the man is alone. And God says, that is not good. So he causes Adam to fall asleep and he pulls out from Adam the rib and he creates woman. And Adam wakes up and he looks at woman and he says, oh, this fits. This is right. This is my helper. She's like me, but she's different than me. We're supposed to be together. And, but sin even affects that relationship. And so we see that when, when, when Eve bites that apple, she, she gets lured by Satan. She follows the temptation. She bites the apple. She gives it to Adam. And immediately in the disobedience to God, they're separated from God and they're separated from one another. Let me show you how I know they're separated from one another. It's because when finally God comes walking through the garden, Adam and Eve had hidden themselves. God speaks first to Adam and he asks, what have you done? Adam says, that woman you gave to me. Yeah, you're laughing. That's good. But you see, how does that bring the first marriage together? It doesn't. So even Adam and Eve and the consequences, the consequences of the sinfulness, the disobedience to God, he's blaming her. And 
getting her away from him, putting a separation. God never intended for that to happen. And the fact that they're hidden from God, trying to hide from God. And there is some success in there because God calls out, where are you? And so God is constantly seeking us out as well. I'm way off my notes. Let's see where we can get back on. It says, it is not good for the man to be alone. So sin causes us to be isolated from God. And if we don't correct that problem, we will experience with God an eternal isolation. And throughout the centuries, people have described hell as the place where people go, people who disobey God. And it's been described in very graphic terms in, in many, many times. But what if each person is confined to an eternal, solitary hell? Some people may think that they might even enjoy hell. I can imagine someone saying, I don't care if I go to hell, because at least I'll be in good company with my other sinners. Right? I've heard that, too. Might even be more fun than living in boring heaven. I've heard that, too. But what if they discover that this eternal separation separates them from other sinners? And so you're in solitary confinement for eternity. With all of your desires, with all of your passions, with all of, I, I just want to have this fun, but it's no fun if nobody's with me, right? Sin separates us from God and one another. And if sin is defined as simply missing the mark, we're all guilty. And we need to deal with that. We need to worry much less about the sins that we perceive in other people and get ourselves right with God. It is not about us looking outside the church or outside our family and saying, look, you're sinning. You're a sinner. But can you believe what they did? And brothers and sisters who have faith in Jesus Christ, I'm pleading with us as a church to express the love and the good news that God has for us to give to the world about our sexuality. And refrain from condemnation. We must do that. The world needs us to give a good message about what God is teaching and leading us to do. Not a message of condemnation. God will take care of that. I want to avoid making a long list of sexual activities or sexual sins that cause us to miss the mark of God's plan for our lives. I don't want to list all the things that God tells us not to do. But we need to fully understand that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of that glorious standard that God has placed for us. Holiness. As, as Romans 3.23 declares. All sexual sin misses the mark. And the Bible is quite clear as to what those actions... I'm sorry, I'm trying to get that still. I don't know I'm sure what's going on behind my head, but it's... I don't, it's kind of hard to preach and keep your head still. <laughs> Look at my eyes. Zoom in on my eyes. Anyway. All sexual sin misses the mark. And the Bible is quite clear as to what those actions are that miss the mark of God's standards. 
I want to show a, a brief video from a young man who thought that he could find great satisfaction in doing what he wanted to do and fulfilling the pleasures of his body by engaging in pornography. Not only did he engage in pornography, he was part of the industry creating all kinds of pornographic films, which are extremely prevalent in our world today. And, and addiction to pornography is not just a problem for men. It is becoming more increasingly a problem for women. And if we think that, that we're not engaging in sexual sin, we need to think again. Because when we take that thought, we take that image that flashes on our phone or on our screen, and we allow that to sit in there, or we click on it uh, a second time, and we stand and we watch it too long, it festers in our mind and it creates something that God does not want us to do. And, and people have said that uh, getting free from a sexual addiction is as difficult as getting free from the strongest cocaine or the strongest drug addiction because of the chemicals that are released in our body. This is part of what, how God created us as human beings that when we engage in this pleasurable activity through our sexuality, our bodies like it. It's God's design and desire for us, but it can be greatly misused. So here's a video. The guy's name is Joshua Broom. And uh, uh, I got this off TikTok, which is a dangerous place to go. <laughs> but let's watch this, watch this video. Keys to a three-minute video. And I used to be a porn star... But now I'm in ministry, and I thought, hey, why not take this time to tell my story? So like I said, I was in the porn industry for five years. I was nominated for Performer of the Year three times. I won it once, and I did over a 1,000 movies. I directed for a, a lot of really large companies. I starred in a lot of movies. So I say that not to gloat. I say that to provide context. I was deeply intertwined in that industry, and I had a lot of success. And all of that success, financially and uh, as far as the accolades, all of that success, at the end of it, made me understand that none of those things brought me the happiness that I was seeking when I first got in it. None of those things brought me the happiness or the fulfillment that I thought I would achieve by becoming famous, from traveling the world, from having sex with all these people. I, I thought that for some reason that was going to fill the void that I had in my heart, and it didn't. It actually exposed the fact that nothing was working. So after being in the industry for about four years, I started to say, man, I'm a prostitute. That's, it's all that I'm good for. I sell myself, I have sex with people for money, and that's all I could ever do. And I started telling myself this, and I started believing it. So I didn't see a way out, because if that's who I was, what else could I do? So that led to a depression so deep and so dark that I considered taking my life. And then I called out to the God that I didn't really know, saying, hey, I just want to die. And the next day, I walked into a bank to cash a check, and the teller called me by name as I was leaving. He said, Joshua, can I help you? And it wrecked me because it had been a year since I had heard my name because I felt so ashamed. I had isolated myself from all of my friends and all of my family for over a year. 
and that caused me to run. I left the industry. That was the last day I was in the industry. I called my agent. I called my manager. I called my PR person. I quit. I quit. I quit. I'm out of here. And then I spent several years running. And then when I couldn't run anymore, I met this girl. We're going on a date. We're going for a run. And I was like, hey, I got to tell you something. I'm this terrible person. I used to do porn. And she said, well, you, do you know God? I was like, I've heard of him. And she was like, well, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? And that question created a curiosity that landed me in church the next week. And I responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said, yes, I am broken. I cannot fix it on my own. Thank you, Jesus. We just sang a powerful song before, before the message about Jesus breaking the chains of bondage in our lives. And this is one of the strongest uh, bondages that we get caught up into. But Joshua is not alone in his testimony. Many people have experienced or are experiencing the same separation from God that he described, even though he didn't know he was separated from God. Yet he was experiencing it. But we have good news to tell. And I want to help us. I want to equip us as brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to equip us as a congregation to be able to have meaningful conversations with other people about very delicate and difficult matters. And we can't avoid these conversations. But we can't come across in these conversations as being judgmental or condemning in the conversations. Because this is such a personal thing. We have to be skilled in how do we talk about these things with our children, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our siblings, with our parents, whatever. And so I've got some tips for us. First, to listen to other people so that we have an opportunity to speak the good news. And so we're going to go through these two words, listen and speak, and use them as acronyms. And on your table, you've got a sheet of paper that has, that has uh, one, two sides. We're going to start with the listen side. And it says how to listen to other people so that then, and we'll flip it over, we'll talk about speaking. And here are a whole bunch of scriptures that instruct us how to talk with other people and how to treat other people so that they will be able to hear and we can, we can establish, again, relationships so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. So let's go through these things. First, we must learn how to listen before we can speak. So on the, on the listening side, we start with a letter, letter L, and the letter L uh, reminds us to look at others with love. To look at them with love. And we look at a couple of scriptures, and you can fill in the blanks on your paper here. Jesus felt genuine love for the man as he looked straight at him. Jesus felt genuine love for that man as he looked straight at him. Look at people. Remember last week I described how God gave us our physical nature in order to establish relationships with other people? And our eyes are part of that physical connection that we make. Look people in the eye and show them that they matter, not only to you, but to God. 
And if you're in a conversation with somebody about a, 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 about a, 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 a delicate thing, give them your full attention. Look at them with love because Jesus looks at all people with love. From Proverbs verse 20, chapter 20, verse 12, it says, God has given us eyes to see and ears to listen with. So we've got to use these things that God has given to us, our physical abilities, to do that. That's L. I. Invest as much time as is needed in the relationship. Hang with the people. Build a relationship with them. Don't just shout at them what's right or wrong. Get into their lives and show them the love. And invest time with them. And here's a scripture that reminds us of uh, uh, an illustration of that. It comes from the book of Job. And I'm starting with verse 11 in, jo- in chapter 2 of Job. And it says, When Job's three close friends heard of the tragedy that Job had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes. They got together. The friends got together. The friends traveled from their home in order to comfort and console him. And look at this next part of the verse. They sat on the ground with Job silently for seven days and nights. Have you ever done that with a friend? Have you ever had a friend do that with you? It's a friend who will. Silently? Look at the commitment that they make to Job to be with him in whatever he's going through. We need to be willing to make that same commitment to others. They sat on the ground with Job silently. They shut up. (laughs) That's such a harsh word. But it's so powerful. For seven days and nights. And no one said again, said a word. It's repeated. They were quiet, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Many of us are going through sufferings that are too great for words. And we need people to be in there with us. That's I. S. And listen. Share their feelings, not your solution. That's another powerful thing. Listen and understand and share. Share. Let them lay their feelings on you and resist the temptation to offer your solution to the problem. Here, I'll tell you what to do to fix that problem. No. Listening involves receiving their emotions, recognizing it. God gave us emotions just like He gave me a right leg. It's there. And I have my emotions. It's how I use my emotions that makes the difference. It's how I use my leg that makes the difference. I can kick somebody with my leg and cause harm in somebody. I can use my emotions to harm other people. Or I can run, use my leg to run and get help for somebody. It's what I do with what God has given me that makes the difference. Share their feelings, not your solution. In Proverbs 18:13 we read this. It says anyone who quickly who answers quickly without listening is first both foolish and insulting. Listen. And we go to John chapter 11. It says Mary fell at Jesus' feet. This is when Lazarus had died and she cried out to the Lord, "If you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died." And Jesus saw her weeping along with many others. And Jesus was deeply moved. 
This word deeply moved, literally meant his guts were, were, were trembling. This wasn't just a, a sadness, oh, I'm so sorry for this. Was, he was feeling the pain, the emotional pain of others. And then there's a little verse, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then the people said, look how deeply he loved him. So we need to share their feelings, not your solution. T. Tune into any fear or hurt beneath the words. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Be sympathetic, loving each other like family. <laughs> I would stop at that one because I see a lot of families that don't love each other like family. But if you don't know what it means to love somebody like family, you're going to have to look to God and Jesus to see what that love looks like. Because if, you're not, if your own family is not teaching you how to love, where else are you going to learn it? You've got to go to the Creator to learn how to love others. Loving each other like family and be kind and be humble. 1 Peter 3.8 Romans 15.2 says, We must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and the fears of others. Let's please the other fellow, not ourselves, and do what is good for this, to build him up in the, in the Lord. Building others up. Encouraging them. Making them better. When somebody leaves the conversation with you, they ought to be feeling better than when they came to meet you. Build them up. E. Engage them with open-ended questions. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, People's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. Someone with insight can draw them out. Engage them with open-ended questions. And then finally, end in listen. Never judge anything until you have all the facts. Proverbs 18 says, what, what a shame, yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. A person with understanding gets the facts, and the wise person listens in order to learn even more. Now, in our world today, we have, I think we have far many more facts than what the writer of Proverbs had back then. But we also need to realize that if the writer of Proverbs makes this statement thousands of years ago, and he says, get all the facts first, but in the time that has passed since, we have so many more facts that we can gather. But we also need to remember that the facts that we have may not be the facts, that all the facts that are going to be discovered. And still, we need to be humble with even the facts that we call facts. <laughs> because we still may not know everything. But we're going to do our best to get all the facts that we can before we place judgment and make decisions. I know the Bible says, do not judge lest ye be judged. But we all have to make decisions. And a decision is a judgment. It's deciding between this thing or this thing or this thing or this thing. And we can't live life without making decisions. We have to make decisions. And so we have to get the facts. Do our best to do that. So, that's listen. So, which part of that list of listening things 
do you identify as something that you would be willing to work on this week? Uh, somebody last night, I asked this question last night, and somebody said, all of them. Well, pick one to work on this week. One of these things that you'll do better at listening. Now, we want to listen so that we can speak and have an audience that will hear us. So speak. Start with S. Save your speech for a time, the best time and place. Save it for the best time and place. Ecclesiastes says there is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. P. Pray and plan. Jesus says, I have not spoken on my own power. Instead, the Father who sent me told me what I should say and how I should say it. From John chapter 12, verse 49. Call upon the Holy Spirit to tell you, God, how do I have this conversation with so-and-so? Do I need to have this conversation? Are you asking me to have this conversation? And then, Lord Jesus, show me how. What should I say and how should I say it? Back in Proverbs 16, it says, Intelligent people think before they speak. Dear Roger, please do this. <laughs> oh. Then what they say is even more persuasive. E. Empathize with their need first. Romans 12.15 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep, living in harmony with each other. We need, again, we're back to the emotions thing. We need to empathize with others' emotions and their needs. Affirm the positive alternative. Alternative to what? Well, first, the alternative of, of speaking uh, using harsh language or judgmental uh, attitudes. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. I love the word encourage. It means to fill with courage. So when you're speaking an encouragement to somebody else, you're filling them with courage. I love that. I need people to pour courage into me. I need people to, 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 to help me know how to say what to say, when to say it. I need people's prayers. I need to be filled with courage. Encourage me. Don't discourage me. Encourage me. Thessalonians 4.3 says, God's will is for you to be holy. So, stay away from sexual sin. Whatever it is, all of it, flee from it. And then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Now, I want to go back and look at this word pagans for just a second. 
Because we hear the word pagans in our culture today, and some of us are saying, well, that's a very judgmental term to use. Let me tell you what the Greek word behind this word for pagans is. The Greek word is pronounced ethnos. Kind of sounds like an English word that we have, doesn't it? Ethnic. Ethnicity. The actual word in the Greek refers to other people, groups of people. Sometimes it gets translated as nations. And so it's not a term of judgment. It's a descriptive term that says people, really, the phrase here to work to think about is what comes after the word pagans. And we could substitute the simple pronoun, those who. Those. Just all people. Any person. We don't have to call them pagans. It's referring to any person who do not know God and His ways. Josh Broom just gave us that powerful example. He admitted he did not know God or His ways. I don't want to call Josh Broom a pagan. That sounds, makes me look horrible. But he was one who did not know God's ways by his own admission. And we need to realize that we are not to be guided by our lustful passions like those who do not know God and his ways. That was A. We're on to K. Keep calm and don't argue. Don't get trapped in an argument about it. I think God's word is very clear about these things. And if we would just take God's word and say, this is what it says. I know what the Bible says is extremely difficult for us to follow through on and to live out. I know that. But let's not rewrite Scripture. Because God God has inspired that and has given it to us. Let it say what it says. It's pretty plain and simple. But let's deal with everybody lovingly and kindly as Jesus would. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery in the book of John? Jesus didn't kick her. Jesus didn't throw her out of the church. Jesus actually threw everybody else out of the church who were being judgmental of that woman. And Jesus says, now, I don't hold any sin against you. I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Stop missing the mark for your life, is what Jesus told her to do. Keep calm and don't argue. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then in Galatians we read this. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get this next phrase. But if you bite and devour each other, what does that mean? If you bite and devour each other. I get a, I go to Burger King, I get a Whopper Junior, because this body hardly even needs that. (laughs) I bite it, and if it's made well, I enjoy it. What am I going to do next? I'm going to devour it. (laughs) If we bite and devour each other, we know how to have arguments. 
We know that when in an argument we've got the upper hand and sometimes we just go, no, 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 stomp them into the ground. If we bite and devour each other, Paul says, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. Families can do this. You've seen families destroy one another. Stop it. You've seen churches destroy one another. Stop it. You've got the power to follow the ways of God who created you to live in peace and harmony in relationship with God and with all people. Follow the ways of God and you will live a peaceful, joy-filled, purposeful life. You will not be separated from God or others for eternity. The alternative is risking isolation from everybody else. What will you do? The whole law can be summed up in this. Come, I invite you to come and listen. Speak as we've described listening and speaking with all people. Make a commitment to do these things in conversation with other people so that you can share with them the good news of following Jesus Christ. Commit all your ways to follow the ways of God, including the way you practice your own sexuality. God has a plan for us. We all hunger for food and water. It's a natural desire. Yet we also know that if I allow my hunger for food and water to lead me to ice cream at every meal, what kind of a life, what kind of health am I going to have? I might enjoy it for a moment, but the rest of my life is going to pay a price for it. Our sexuality is another hunger and thirst that we have that is natural and good and right. But we need to commit it and dedicate it even to God and make choices about it and be careful about the places we go and the things we watch, what we put into our eyes, what we put into our ears. Just like if I'm going to, I don't want to say any ice cream place, <laughs> but enjoy the ice cream. Thank you, Jesus. I like ice cream. You can tell. I also like pecan pie. I like pizza. I can't eat all those things without discipline and living a whole life. We all need to care for our bodies, and our sexual desire is just as essential and natural in life. And God has given us both positive and negative instructions for satisfying our sexual thirsts. So God calls us to holiness in every way. And I invite you. Not somebody else that you're thinking, well, I wish so-and-so heard this message. No, I'm speaking to you, and I'm asking you to listen to God instead of thinking about somebody else. I came across a prayer a few years ago that was written in 1941 by a Methodist missionary named E. Stanley Jones. He wrote a devotional booklet called Abundant Living. And I think in 1941, he was extremely bold and extremely brave to put this prayer in a de daily devotional booklet, kind of like what we know as the, the upper room or our daily bread, which we have available for people here to pick up and use on a daily basis. But E. Stanley Jones was talking about this gift of sex that God has given to us in 1941. <laughs> 
I didn't think anybody was talking about sex in 1941. But E. Stanley Jones knows that for ever since the beginning of time, humanity has been wrestling with sexual sinfulness. And in 1941, he put this prayer in his, in his uh, devotional booklet, and it says this, and I pray that you may be able to pray this with me. Oh, God, our Father, I thank you for this fire of sex within me. Thank you for this burning passion that you put into me. But let it burn within me as a sacred fire upon your altar, lighting up my entire life. What a beautiful image of our human sexuality. It's a good thing. For if it is not this, then it will be a fire to consume my mind, my tissues, my bones, my possibilities, me. And then help me this day to dedicate this sacred fire to you. Amen. That's a powerful prayer. I pray that you can pray that and live that and model that for your children and teach it to your children. God has given us this beautiful gift. Let's use it and commit and decide to use it. And maybe you're hearing this message and you're thinking, you know, I've given my life to Christ, but there are parts of my life that I have withheld. And my sexuality is one of those. Jesus, I give that to you. I want you to be pleased in everything. And Lord, I don't know what this man, E. Stanley Jones, was talking about, this, this fire of sex, because I have been burned by it so badly, I don't trust it anymore. But God, is it, a gift? it is a gift that you give to me. I want you to sanctify it. I want you to make it holy. I want, I want you to, to, to make it so that there's a benefit between me and my wife and not something that rips us apart. Oh, Lord Jesus, I need your help. Maybe that's your prayer today. And like Joshua Broom, you're saying, okay, God, I don't get it, but I need your help. So I confess my sins to you and I will follow you. If that's your prayer today, please make it your prayer today. I, would, I, I know it's very personal. I'd love to hear from you if you're online. Maybe you want to jot it down in, in one of the, the note cards. But as we take communion this morning in a few minutes, this is the invitation that I give to us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this gift that you've given to us. Help us dedicate it to you, our whole lives to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. the tables before you or the chair that you have. You've got a little cup. It's got a little cellophane on top of it. Under that clear cellophane is a small wafer. I invite you to to peel the cellophane off and then you can very carefully peel the foil off and underneath the foil is some juice that we'll take for communion this morning. If you don't have one, get one, go to a chair next to you or make sure everybody has one. I have gluten-free communion up here, uh, raise your hand and I'll ask Diane if you'd be willing to take it to somebody. <laughs> there you go. These, these are the gluten-free. These are the gluten-free ones right there. Just, just walk around in case somebody wants a gluten-free one. Let's pray again and thank God for this gift that He gives to us. Jesus, as we come to you this morning, 
we remember that you gave your body up for us. You surrendered your whole body so that we might experience freedom from the bondage of sin in ours. You took the bread and you gave thanks. You broke it. You gave it to your disciples and you said, Take, eat. This is my body that is given for you. So let's take, eat this in remembrance of Jesus. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And just as we consume this as a sign of Christ pouring into us new life, we remember what Christ has done for us. So let's take and drink and remember what Christ has done for us. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your presence, even in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue to sing and pray and and worship. The platform area here is is available to you if you want to come and kneel and pray or or pray at one of the prayer stations. Someone will be glad to pray with you. Let's continue to worship our Lord. If you need prayer for any reason, there are folks that will be available for, for that to pray with you. Let's continue to worship the Lord today. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no.
your compassion, not on our opinions, not on what we think, not on a political ideology, but build our lives and how we interact with other people on your love. That's what our church is about, to love you and to love people so that everyone might experience your life-changing love. So, Lord, as we just sang, fill us, fill our hearts with your love. Give us your heart. Help us to see people the way you see them. Through eyes of love and grace and forgiveness. Because that's how you saw us. So, Lord, today we thank you. Send us from this place with your spirit. Encourage us as we go. We bless your name today. It's in that name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Have a great week.